everybody, welcome to episode 27 of the Mendoza Line. We are back. We've got a special episode for you guys here. But before we get to it, let me introduce you to my co-host, as always, the one and only Nick Coates. Cam, it's been a while. How are you? I am fantastic, considering the circumstances. How are you, new father? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you're considering the circumstances seems very foreboding. What's wrong? <laughs> More of that it's winter time, and as a baseball fan, this is the the most difficult time of year because spring seems so far off. That's all I meant by that. Oh. Okay, so just a little dramatic, that's all. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big winter person. You know me. Well, you know me. I'm a very big winter person. It's my favorite time of the year, so... It's true. I've never understood that about you. Well, I'm a weird guy. There's, you know, <laughs> only so much that can be explained. The rest is all just kind of, you know, to each their own, maybe? I don't know. But anyways, yes, uh, as Nick mentioned, uh, I did become a father in between episode 26 and our current episode 27. Very exciting. She's super cute. Um, she looks just like me, which is why she's so super cute. <laughs> which is a great way to segue into, hey, if you're listening to this on the podcast, there may be a video version available. We haven't decided if we're going to post it yet, but if it is, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. I don't know why you'd want to look at us, but I guess we'd make... Well, we're above average looking, I'd say. I guess it doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> yes, we're taken men. <laughs> yes yeah all the ladies that listen to this podcast moving on hi lauren i think you're the only one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she's behind but that reminds me i need to now that it's yeah winter there's not a lot to do however catch up on her mendoza line podcast she's missed out on all the the hard-hitting analysis from the end of the season mm, yeah our hot takes were, Since... were so good yeah, the Cub, or the world did not end since the Cubs won the World Series, although many things have happened to put that theory to the test. But it's still weird to say that the Cubs are the defending World Series champions of Major League Baseball. Yeah. So now the Reds have, you know, are starting to get into, haven't won since 1990. But, you know, because I, I don't even want to hear it, Nick. Before the Cubs, they've always had 1908. But well, the Tigers haven't won it since '84, so we got you there. <clears throat> it's true. I wasn't even born then. Well, I feel like we've got a lot to discuss this episode because we're going to go over the changes to the CBA, the uh, trade, major trades that have happened, and then the uh, flurry of free agent signings as well. Uh, so. We're excited to be back for this special winter meetings edition of the Mendoza line. So why don't you kick us off with the CBA, sir? Because there seems to be a lot that happened in the CBA, and there's one amazing thing that happened. So why don't you tell us all about it? Yeah, so we, I don't know if we, we alluded to it towards the end of our podcast last year because the, the deadline was coming up, but the collective bargaining agreement, which every sport has, the deal that helps basically all the the billionaires and millionaires figure out how to divvy up the 
millions of dollars that are made by the sport. Football and basketball in the recent history have had difficulties in coming to an agreement, whereas baseball surprisingly has not, considering the history of baseball back in the uh, 80s and 90s where there were work stoppages quite frequently and the relationship was very strenuous. Um, it's actually been very, <clears throat> a very good relationship. Baseball's been very healthy and they seem to have a good system going. So the new agreement ran out on, or uh, December 1st was the expiration date for that. So they had to come to an agreement by then or else there was a very high likelihood of a lockout um, if they couldn't work towards that. So they they came to agreement on November 30th. So they used all the time that they could to negotiate every single last penny from, uh, yeah, the details from hashing out those details, crossing all the T's, dotting the I's. And the lowercase J's. And the lowercase... J's. The soft J's Yes, as for, well. For yogging to first and second base. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> we've got another five-year deal, so there won't be any more or there won't be any threat of uh, labor disputes until 2022 at the very earliest if we make it that far so that's always good news um, as people who enjoy baseball it's always nice to have a game to watch and that doesn't happen when there's a lockout so we'll go into just a few of the details I'll try to you know this is a very complex document so we're not going to go through everything but we'll try to hit the highlights um, that we think are pretty pertinent to the average fan. And also some things that I just generally found interesting. But uh, the first one is, so I'm not sure if this is going to start this year or not, but in the future, the most of the time the season starts on a Monday. In the past, you know, Monday was a big deal, especially in Cincinnati. That was the first game uh, always, you know, opening day was on Monday. Um, where in the recent past, there's been some games on Sunday. So last year, there was three games on Sunday. But now, the plan is to start the games midweek, like on Wednesday, um, a little earlier with the hopes of giving players extra off days throughout the year. So I think they're planning on doing that on a Wednesday gives the, the players four extra off days, which you know, when you factor in a 162-game season, Basically, what that kind of came out to now or regularly was about three off days a month, um, which when you think about it, it's not very much. It's, you know, 27, 28 days of playing, traveling um, for pitchers, you know, every five days for six months. So just those for extra off days, you know, it's almost one a month um, could really help um, the players just throughout the gruel of the the season because the alternative I think the players have talked about shortening the season by eight to ten games but the owners don't want to I wish they would have done that they're not going to do that because that means less money so they're not going to do something where they make less money so they're going to make it a little bit longer so for me that's four less days of waiting for opening day so that's a great thing hopefully that means no more like sometimes the opening day is not till like April 6th and it's the absolute worst because that's when that you know is when it's a Monday. It's like, if it's April, there should be baseball. Now, I know you, you're the one that wants a shorter season, but sorry, it didn't happen. I think this is just the first step in making the baseball season year-round. That's what I think this is. In, in five years, we will have one month off. Pitchers will not survive. Well, you just 
you open up a few more roster spots and you have a eight pitcher rotation instead of a five pitcher rotation and your bullpen gets three more spots and bada boom bada bing you've got a 200 game season that's not happening um so your your favorite thing the world series home advantage is not going to be through the all-star game anymore common sense it's gonna go to the team that has the best winning percentage of the two this is this is the best news in the entire offseason. Better than any free agent signing, better than any trade. This, to me, is like someone in baseball finally like woke up from the coma they were in. We're like, wait a minute. What moron made this rule? This is stupid. This makes no sense. There's absolutely no logical reason why the, uh, the All-Star game should determine the World Series home advantage. It makes zero sense. And so they finally got rid of it. Well, well said. Not going to take anything away from that. I think people will say that takes away from the world or the all-star game, which I think is ridiculous. It was around. All-star games are dumb anyways, especially in baseball. When you, but when you trot out the best pitchers and they pitch one, maybe one and two thirds innings max, it's not real baseball. Yeah. My whole thing. I mean, these guys are, they're not going to go out there and act, you know, they don't, everyone else is competing. They're not going to. Well, and you don't want to get hurt. And it's like when people watch the NBA All-Star Game and complain they don't play defense. Like, well, first of all, they don't play defense in regular NBA games. Why would they do it in an All-Star Game? They don't want to try. They all want to do alley-oops and shoot from half court. It's supposed to be entertaining. Yeah, it's not a real game. And who cares so, if it ends in a tie? So Yeah, it's, it's a show. Everyone cares about the Home Run Derby, and that's it anyways. And even then, people probably don't really care about that much anymore. Yeah. It's not gonna. Everyone's gonna watch. Still, there's nothing else going on in the middle of summer. It's such a staple in American. It's the staple American pastime. It's still gonna make a lot of money. So yeah, I think this was the right move. Absolutely the right move. It's the, been the dumbest thing in the sport since they changed that rule because of that one tie. Um, so I'm really glad they fixed that. There's one more thing they can do to make the All Star Game better. Is don't wear stupid jerseys. Please. It's like they find the worst designers out there, and they're like, hey, guess what? You get to make the All-Star jerseys every year. It's like, oh, just the words. You remember the futuristic baseball? Yeah, we should reference our uniform aesthetics episode. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, All-Star jerseys are the worst. They're just terrible. So, yeah, that was a... Definitely a good change. Um, another thing, the disabled list was, in the past, it's always been 15-day, but that's been changed to 10-day now. So do you think that's good or bad? Because I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think it's good. I think, you know, a lot of times the Reds were the worst at this, where they would have, you know, players would have small injuries that would linger, and they would hesitate to put players on the disabled list. Um as in fears that the player would be ready, you know, weekend and they would not be able to get them back for another week. I think this gives them more of ability to, you know, put them on the disabled list to protect the player a little bit. Um, so you think this is a rule to uh, encourage managers to put players on the DL so they actually get fully rested and fully healed? That, and it also gives minor leaguers an opportunity um, so when you put someone on the disabled list, you have to call someone up. So they, they have a 10 day concussion one as well. So I think it's just, it keeps it the same, um, for a pitcher now, you know, if someone's ailing for a 10 day, 
they're only going to miss one start as opposed to 15, they would be two starts. So I think it just it helps teams um, not play shorthanded, which could be detrimental to them. Um, you know, if you're playing shorthanded on the bench, um, it, it changes the game a little bit. So I think it just gives teams a little bit more flexibility and being able to yeah, put the player on the disabled list and not have to worry about <clears throat> long-term ramifications. And for the player, not that a, you know someone would play someone that was injured, but um, it just gives them, a, you know, hey, we're just going to put you on the disabled list a little less, um, trying to push it maybe early that they need to. At the end of the day, I don't think it's going to change too much. I just think it gives teams a little bit more flexibility. I think it gives some more minor leaguers opportunities because uh, players are placed on the disabled list. So, you know, for those for the players, it gives you know more players service time opportunities. So I think it's a win-win for everybody, even for a subtle um, change such as this. But I mean, it makes sense. Ten days is still a substantial amount of time, but it's better than fifteen days. So. Um, Another thing, so the All-Stars, going back to the All-Star game, so instead of being selected by the manager, it goes to the commissioner's office. So I think that's good because sometimes the managers are very biased towards their own players. So in the past, when we've had a lot of, you know, Cardinals, Red Sox, Yankees, you know, managers, because they've either been to the World Series um, in the, the previous year, you know, they pick a lot of their own guys from the team, so then we end up with, a lot of Cardinals, Red Sox, Yankees, um, and maybe a few people like Brock Holt, who seems to make the All-Star game every year because of his versatility that maybe shouldn't be All-Stars, but John Farrell picks him because he's a guy that he knows at the end of the day, if he needs to, he can put him wherever. So now we don't have to worry about it because the game doesn't matter and we can get people who actually deserve to be there. Like three or four years ago, Johnny Cueto had like, the best season of any National League pitcher and he didn't make the all-star team because Tony La Russa was the manager and he hates Johnny Cueto. So it just removes those biases and the commissioner's office is probably a little more objective. So I think it's a good thing. Well, so I find that interesting because if I was a manager of the all-star team and I had the opportunity to give my guys four days off or three days off, I would totally choose other players and make them come to work, especially like from my rivals and let my guys go home and get relaxed and rest up. And especially in the middle of the season for a game that doesn't matter. Like the logic to me is make the opponent work and let my guys go rest. Well, you have to remember that some people actually do enjoy playing and watching baseball games. But my point is like, it's the middle of the season. And if I have a few of my good guys that deserve to be on the all-star team, maybe, but the game doesn't matter, and they might be a little bit knocked up. Why not set knocked up? That's not the right term. Uh, <laughs> Nicked up, yeah. There we go. Well, I mean, you're talking about an inning or two playing, and if there's a pitcher like that, they don't pitch. Like the Those managers will keep their protect their pitcher from pitching. I'm just saying a little reverse psychology might go a long way. Well, you have to remember, too, a lot of players get bonuses for making the All-Star team, so they – they make money. They have enough money. They make. They don't need more. <laughs> Not everybody. You're talking about. I want a bonus. You're talking about guys like Brock Holt, and they're making. I don't even know who that is. Exactly. He, he, these are not all 
guys with massive contracts. It's a big deal. What's what's the major league minimum? We'll get to that. It actually raised a little bit. I think I put it here in my notes. So we just go talk about it right now. So it increased. It was five hundred and seven thousand a year to five hundred and thirty-five thousand. Okay, they're making a ton of money. I anyone who complains about not making enough money that's making half a million dollars, I'm sorry. Just shove it. Like that's so <laughs> much money. Now, now, granted, when you're getting paid five hundred and seven thousand dollars. And the starting third baseman is getting paid $25 million. Yeah, that's a lot more money. However, $507,000 a year in salary to play baseball is amazing. You just got to remember, remember all the hundreds of thousands of people that play baseball in America and how hard, how hard it is to make the majors or to even get on the 40-man roster. And a lot of these guys that are making the minimum – are only going to be around maybe for a year. So they got to make all the money that they can. I got, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think it's easy to, you think about the Clayton Kershaw's and the others that are making $300 million a year, but there are, that's a very small percentage. Like there are so many other people that may get called up at the end of the year for like a month. So they're getting a prorated portion of that 500,000. So I know I, completely understand where you're coming from but i'm not gonna like um fault people for you know the, at the bottom end of that scale especially because you're talking about this is a profession where the people at the very top are billionaires and five hundred thousand is like chump change to them so messed up so messed up yeah it's the world we live in so it is what it is. There are some changes with the, so as part of like the competitive balance, um, they have a tax threshold. So it basically encourages teams to kind of stay under a certain level. It's not a hard cap. That would never happen in baseball now, but. It should. It will never happen. <laughs> basically is a tax. So like the, the few teams that actually go over it, they pay, you know, a certain tax back. Major League Baseball, it just encourages, it, it gives a little bit of market um, parameters so that certain teams like the Dodgers and Yankees don't just completely take over, which they would if they, you know, they could. So um, basically the threshold is going to incrementally increase to <clears throat> over $200 million um, by 2019. So I think it's... Um, it's it's slightly under that right now, so it's it's kind of in keeping pace with what it was going to be, but it seems to be there's going to be kind of more additional taxes for going over that threshold. Um, so like the first year, it's like I think if you're over the threshold, it's um, twenty million dollars, and then it incrementally increases to forty million. Um, and also in tying in with that, so if you're if you're over it for a couple of years and you're forty million over in the luxury tax. I'm paying $40 million, they're actually going to start knocking back your draft picks uh, 10 spots. Um, so that will definitely encourage people because, <clears throat> you know, major league teams don't worry as much about the cash, but if you start messing with their draft picks, they're going to be more incentivized to stay under that uh, threshold. So it's good for the owners because it kind of puts a limit on their spending. Not as great for the players, <clears throat> the top-of-line players, because... 
you know, certain teams are going to not bid as aggressively to, to go over that tax. But still, you're talking about um, $200 million salaries. I don't, I don't comparison-wise, hockey comes nowhere close to that. Um, and NF, the NFL is probably similar, but you're talking about 50 player rosters there as opposed to 25 in baseball. So baseball players are still doing pretty well, and teams still have, like I know the Reds this year, they were slightly over $100 million payroll last year, and I think they're going to actually dip under that to like you know $87 million. But, I mean, that's a pretty small market team um, right around the $100 million mark. So um, still plenty, like, it's not going to hamper teams too much, if that makes sense. Did that explanation make sense? I know it's like way more complicated. It doesn't really need to go into it. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of what is happening has happened in the past is going to continue, but there's a little bit more incentive to stay under the threshold because teams like the Dodgers and Yankees have been pretty consistently over that. Oh, forever, yeah. So my question is, well, first of all, yes, it did make sense. So thank you for explaining that. Uh, but my my question is that money that gets paid. So like if I have to shell out $20 million because I'm over the limit, that $20 million goes to the league, right? Yes. And they can do whatever they want with it? Um, or are there certain rules that that money has to be spent on X, Y, and Z. Yeah, there's some revenue sharing. So some of the smallest markets do get some of that money. I don't know exactly how it works because some of it is, has to do with, I think, the media earnings. But there are the smallest market teams do get a little bit of uh, kickback with that. So, like, the commissioner can't just go buy 10 new Ferraris. No. Is what you're saying. No, they use that for something. I'm not exactly sure what. But some of it is, yeah, to kind of spread out to the other teams as well. Now, certain teams, like the Oakland A's, are actually going to be phased out of the revenue sharing because they it's Oakland. It's the Bay Area. Like, that's not a small market. They just operate because they operate like a small market because their owner is extremely cheap. So <laughs> they're incentivizing <laughs> the, yeah, certain teams just aren't spending money to not spend money. So if you're in a small market like the Reds, the Brewers, um, teams like that, you 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 could use a little help as opposed to the you know Oakland San Francisco area you're talking about. That's one of the top. That's a top seven market in America, and definitely obviously New York, L.A., Chicago. So at the end of the day, there's a you know, and some of the owners do get a little annoyed when um, teams like the Marlins you know are selling off a lot of their. You know, a few years ago, you think about when they sold off all their players and, you know, they're getting money to pay for these players. But when they get rid of them, it's like, well, is the owner just pocketing all this extra money that they get? So the whole goal is, you know, the extra, the smaller market teams get this extra money. They're expected to spend it. Um, Well, and the Marlins seem like a very odd case. They totally rebrand the team. They build this awesome stadium. They sign a bunch of players and the and then they suck, and they sell everyone like halfway through the season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And a lot of people were just scratching their heads, like, "What is going on down there?" Like they, 
pretty much everyone got sold a bill of goods. And then halfway through the season, the owners were like, <laughs> just kidding. We want to be terrible. And then they pay John Collar Stanton. Yeah. Like, they, a they massive contract. Essentially trap him there and waste his talent. Now they're they're in the running for Kenley Jansen, and they're yeah they have offered um, him like over eighty million dollars. I don't know what they're what they're doing. Case in point too, at, at the end of this previous season, just a few months ago, they made a few signings toward the end, like they were going to push for the playoffs, and it just didn't work out. But it just from the outside looking in, as a very weird organization. It is, and. It's not highly viewed around the league, that's for sure. Um, other changes, there's some changes to the qualifying offers. If you remember in the past, if a, if a player was offered a qualifying offer and they rejected it, if another team signed them, they the team that signed them lost a first-round pick. So that really disincentivized teams, especially for guys like mid-tier free agents from getting signed because players didn't or teams didn't want to lose their draft pick now if it's like you know a top of the end top of the line player uh, that's not going to matter as much but so they made some changes to that so teams uh, small market teams will uh, forfeit their third highest uh, draft pick to sign a player and large market teams uh lose their second and fifth highest pick. So a lot of times that's the you know second and fifth round, depending on other picks that they gain. So that was to help kind of lessen that and help, you know, those mid-tier free agents who were offered basically it's like a, a one year like seventeen million dollar contract. They can choose to accept that or not. So like this year Jeremy Hellickson for the Phillies was offered that and he actually accepted it. So he's back on a one year deal. Um Whereas, um, I'm trying to think of, like, probably, yeah, like Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion were offered that, and they rejected it. So whatever team uh, signs them um, will, in this new system, will lose a draft pick. So uh, not as high of a draft pick. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. I think it's time to move on to... The movement of the players, Nick. You did a great job with the CBA. I appreciate it. You know, I it's confusing still. I, I mean, as they were communicating it, because it depends on, yeah, what defines the smaller market, larger market. I was going to ask how, the, how they determine that. I think it, it depends on um, the pre, um, how it's pre- I don't know. There's a lot that I think we'll kind of see as the system develops. I think it should be based on number of Twitter followers. So if I was a team, I'd just cancel my Twitter account. Like, we don't even have one. We're so small market. What's Twitter? I'm confused. Yeah. It also depends on the contract. So if the player, if it's over $50 million, then that's when it kicks in. I think if it's less than that, then it doesn't count or something like that. It's one of those things. It doesn't really matter that much in the long run. We'll just kind of see... But it does change strategy a little bit. So, like, the Royals have a bunch of guys that are going to be free agents after next year. So they can't really depend on those guys leaving and getting a bunch of first-round picks like that. So it incentivizes more trading. Which is good. I like trades. It stinks if you're trying to go for it and you need those guys. 
but if you're like average or not, I mean, you you need to trade those guys. So, which I guess can be a bad thing if other teams yeah. do that. <clears throat> but I don't know. Well, but I mean, they also know. You know, like the Yankees didn't send Chapman to the Cubs without a pretty good inclination that they at least had a good mm-hmm. chance of resigning him. Which, spoiler alert, they did. Um, so it just changes the. I mean, it it changes the context, but it doesn't change the game. A couple other big things. So no. with the international free agents, this was a huge kind of change in the past. So in this new system, uh, most teams will get a bonus pool of four point seven five million dollars. Um, the teams that get a competitive balance pick, so some of the smaller market teams like the Reds this year, got a competitive balance A pick, so that's they get an extra pick right after the first round. They get a five point two five million dollar bonus pool. In the a compet in the competitive round B, which is other market teams, get a five point seven five. So the difference in that is that that is a hard cap. So like teams cannot go over that from now on. So if you remember like three years ago, the Red Sox signed Yoan Makata. They paid $30 million uh, when he was posted just to be able to talk to him. And then they signed him for like $31 million signing bonus. So they they paid $30 million just for the right to talk to him. They paid sixty, you know, $62 million just to like sign him basically so so now the the hard cap is five basically also spoiler they just traded him so yes this is true so that that's kind of crazy and there's a lot of pushback because that kind of screws over a lot of the international free agents uh because that greatly like teams basically are going to be able to spend about half of what they spent in the past so um they were like initially they were trying to push for an international draft because you know teams like you know there's players like Mancada and others only a few that were and this all has to do with age too so any international free agent over the age of 25 it doesn't matter but anyone 25 or younger this is what it counts for so so once so once teams get up to that limit they can't spend any more money on free agents um Except if they're ten thousand dollars or less signing bonuses, then they don't count against that cap. So, um, in the past, teams just were penalized for two years; they couldn't sign a free agent for over three hundred thousand dollars. So, for for teams like the Reds and Padres, uh, this past year they kind of blew away over that allotment. So, for the next two years, they're still under that that penalty; they can't spend over three hundred thousand dollars on international bonus signings. But teams can also trade uh, money in there. Uh, so if a team doesn't want to spend any money, they can trade all that cap to other teams. I think they can trade um, up to 75% of their of their money. So that could add a little bit of intrigue or incentives to push trades through. I guess we'll see how that works uh, in future trades. So... Sorry, international players. That kind of sucks for you. You, especially if you're really good, you're probably not going to get very much money on the front end. <laughs> um, one other thing I thought was interesting was there's now a smokeless tobacco ban. So, any player that uses it now is kind of like grandfathered in, but in the future, they're trying to to snuff out snuff. Oh, ooh, I like what you did there. 
Uh, it just came to me. <laughs> Which on the health end of things, that's probably a good thing to do. I mean, when you look at all the research that's come out on how detrimental, you know, smokeless tobacco is, and that's a big part of the culture of the game. So within, you know, five, ten years, you know, I think smokeless tobacco will be completely out of the game, which is a good thing. And then they, you know, the uh, domestic violence policy was um, obviously, you know, beefed up, solidified, and they also put in anti-hazing and anti-bullying policies. So kind of bringing up with the rest of uh, the time. So that's kind of a quick, brief overview of the CBA. A lot of things will stay the same in the day-to-day, but um, there were a few changes that I thought were interesting. But, I mean, when you're going as well as baseball is right now, how healthy it is, how popular it is, the dumbest thing they could have done was have a lockout over, you know, most of the things were going fine. Like the players are making a lot of, the top of the end players are making a lot of money. You know, you would argue that even the minimum wage players are making a lot of money. Basically the players that get screwed over in all this are international players who want to sign and also minor leaguers who still make low, like far below minimum wage. Um, but that's another Like thing. far below major league minimum wage or like... Like minimum below, like normal minimum wage. Like all those minor leaguers, the day to day. Oh, I need to look this up. Um, well, how can they legally be paid less than minimum wage? Well, it all has to do with what they're characterized as. So, um, oh, so there's loopholes. Yes, God, people are the people are the worst. So you know how like, money, man. Oh my gosh, is, is it really worth? Is it really worth selling your so soul? You know how like certain. Certain people are exempt from, you know, overtime and stuff like that based on their, um, whatever their employment status is. So, so just for instance, so double A, uh, the monthly salary is seventeen hundred dollars. So per month. Per month. Now, what's what what is not included in that? Like, do they get per diem while they're on the road? Their hotel rooms are paid for. Their food is paid for. Their equipment is paid for. On the road, yes, but they still have to pay for housing, like, throughout the year. Right. So they have $1,700 a month to pay rent, to buy food, to pay for health insurance, to pay for their vehicle. If they have a family, oh, my god, That's double A. Triple A is... Triple A is twenty. 2100 a month. Um, oh, and then they get so they jump from 2100 a month to like 500. Quick math yeah. here 40, 40 grand a That's month. That's why when you think about someone getting called up, like just think about the massive. That's ridiculous. So the difference is so, and this isn't like you talk about rookie, um, rookie level, like it's, it's a little below that. But for a lot of these guys, so you think about at the top of the draft. Where they, where they make their money is in their signing bonus. So a lot of guys will get like a million dollar yeah. signing bonus. So, Well, I've got a, I've got a perfect example for you. Um, the town that, that I live in in Kansas, uh, my first year that I moved here, there was a senior in high school who was a scholarship to Nebraska to play quarterback, but he got drafted fifth overall by mm-hmm. the Royals as a, as a uh, center fielder, five-tool player. 
Um, and he got, I believe he got a $5 million signing bonus. And that was 2000. Uh, he graduated in 2011. He was a top 10 pick, Bubba Starling, right? Yeah, Bubba Starling. He was, he was number five, and the Royals picked him, a hometown kid. Um, I, believe it, I believe it was $5 million, uh signing bonus. I could be wrong about that. It's been, you know, it's been five years. Uh, so the kid's 24, I think, because I think he was 19 when he graduated high school. He was older. Yeah, he's kind of been a bust. Well, he was a bust early on because, according to what I heard, he couldn't hit a curveball, which I can't hit a fastball, yeah. so I'm not judging the kid at all. But the fact of the matter is, is he got that giant signing bonus that you mentioned, and a lot of the guys that he was playing mm-hmm. with didn't. And so that 1700 bucks a month or $2,100 a month doesn't really matter to him as much. I mean, it's still money. So you're talking most other guys aren't getting, they're getting maybe $10,000 signing bonuses. So this, um, <clears throat> I'm reading from, it's a sports law blog, but it says until minor leaguer is placed on the 40-man roster, monthly salaries are $1,150. Uh, monthly salaries are $1,150 in short season, so that's like rookie ball. $1,300 for low A. 1500 for high A, so then 1700 for double A. So $1,100 a month. Um, that's not much. No. And they're, I mean, they're living and they're riding in buses, they're staying in crappy hotels. You know, when they're, I read a book this summer about, um, a little bit about a life on the minor leaguers, but you know, those guys are staying in apartments with, like, two or three other guys. Um, I want to make a documentary about this now, Nick. This is It's crazy. interesting. I've, and with the following people in the CBA, like, the hope was there would be a little bit more of, you know, money put towards, put towards these guys who are, you know, playing for basically nothing. But, you know, it's not going to happen. You know, there's no... There's no there's no union for these guys for the minor leaguers. There's only a union for when they make and they don't make. I mean, I'm assuming that a double that all minor league teams are are in the uh, red. I would imagine. Yeah. As far as like the the business side is concerned, like the revenue they generate from the games, I have to believe doesn't even even cover the salaries. Let alone you look at all the advertising that's out there and you. You can't think that they're doing too well, like on the on the fences and stuff. Certain teams, depending on where they're at, how many how many people come to their games, but they get meal money. They get twenty five dollars per road day. So they That's eat like crap, is what you're saying. Yeah, Chipotle probably Taco Bell. But still, I mean, twenty five bucks. That's Two Chipotle meals for one person, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, Chipotle is good. But no, I seriously, I like, I want to go make a documentary. That's about one this. of my this five hundred million dollar salary, like, or sorry, five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> minimal salary. I'm like, that's for those guys, like any guy that can make it. You know, I get them as much money as possible. Yeah, the the disparity is is crazy. A lot of times, maybe they're only going to be, you know, if there's September call up. They make it up for a, a month, and then they're they may never make it up again. I don't know. I, I've got my my heart out for the the little guy. No, I hear you. I hear you. You have you have uh, tugged on my heartstrings, Nick. So, I guess you know. 
And they're into things. They are playing a game, and it's a dream they're chasing. And if they don't make it, then they, <clears throat> you know, hopefully, you know, if they were drafted out of high school and went straight in there, then they got, you know, think about college or whatever. But if they went to college, then they, they come and do regular people work, I guess. Well, and and that's fair. I get what you're saying, but I'm coming at it from the aspect of like. $1,500 a month for a ball. You can make twice that at an entry-level job at a bank doing nothing. And you work year-round. Yeah, but you work year-round, but you don't have to travel on crappy buses. You can, afford, you can afford to live by yourself. You can afford to eat. You can afford to buy clothes. And all you do is cash checks and do deposits and withdrawals. It doesn't take skill like playing baseball and I, I get it baseball is a game and working in a bank is a real job uh i worked at a bank it's not a real job it sucks um but it just it blows my mind because how many so you play in single a you're probably still in the top five percent of baseball players on the planet yeah like of all the people that are playing baseball that's a very high level it's incredibly high and you're getting paid garbage to be in the... What other profession outside of sports do you get to be in the top 5% of the people that can do what you do and get paid horribly? Well, the problem is, I mean, these guys are chasing a dream. So, major, I mean, Major League Baseball doesn't have to pay them because they know people, someone else will just come in and take their spot. But that's... I get what you're saying, and a lot of people are chasing dreams, whether it's playing baseball or moving to Silicon Valley or going to Nashville to be a singer or New York to be on Broadway. I think that's or... my next. I might go to Nashville and try out my singing. Oh, man. I want to. That's another documentary I want to make, Nick. <laughs> but my point is like, everyone at some point has a dream they want to chase not everyone does but at least everyone i think has one to think Ooh, if i could go for that i would but the f- my, my point is is that it seems like major league baseball is taking advantage of that just like american idol takes advantage of people wanting to sing and then makes them look like idiots when they get booed off stage and they cry because they think that they sound like mariah carey when they sound like a dying cat but heck yeah they're taking the advantage like, of it because i and it's and it's 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 that thing where you're like, oh, baseball's America's pastime, and it's, you know, the sport that's been around forever, and everyone loves baseball, but no one, like, yeah, we love Major League Baseball, because everyone's getting paid lots of money, and everyone's happy, and it's great baseball, but then you've got these, essentially, these, oh, I want to choose my words carefully here, these guys. Rich people. No, yeah, we've got these rich old white guys that are paying these you know teenagers yeah and internet or uh, international you know uh players or or young american kids just garbage and they're building this monumental you know monolith of a thing in major league baseball off the backs of these guys that as you say may only may never make it and if they do may only make it for a little bit and that just strikes me as com- completely american frankly I was about to say, which is America. You sound like a communist. No, you don't. You don't think communist about baseballs? There's no salary cap. No, that's, that's no. I I said that backwards. 
baseball is a free market. All other sports are communist. In that there's a salary cap and you can only spend so much money. And baseball is the one true American sport where it's like, you got more money than the other guy? Good. Take advantage of it. Anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. We're getting philosophical now. We, uh, I didn't expect us to. But, yeah, I mean, it's, believe me, there's a lot of people that are um, just as upset as you are, including me. Um, I'm just like, what, what would a little, you know, bumping their salaries up just even – Make it two grand a month. That's still terrible, but at least it's like, hey, now you can maybe like buy yourself a t-shirt. Something a little bit more livable. Jeez. I mean, it's honestly, I mean, I hate to beat a dead horse, but entry-level job at a bank, you make more money than that with a high school degree and no prior experience. That's why I've come to really respect, you know, those guys that are, in the lower level of minors and yeah, root for them to do well. So they can Yeah, if you guys if you live in a town where you've got minor league baseball, go to a few games. Yeah. Yeah. Buy ten hot dogs. They'll see a penny of it, but at least they'll get that penny. Yep. I mean, no joke. And man. don't like yeah I just get annoyed with people that, you know, trash those guys too if they don't do well. Yeah. Oh, you're terrible. Like, you can't even hit I was like, I I couldn't hit a slow pitch softball. And if I do, I hit it straight at the shortstop. And here I am making fun of these guys that are infinitely better at this game than I am and still are struggling to make it. Just That's really sad. It is. We've got a lot of moves to make. Should we get to those? Yeah, that, we, get... we, we hung on that longer than I expected. But my goodness, that's just it really does kind of just make you, make you hurt to think about how little they're getting paid. I mean, it, period. And then you compare it to what? It's, uh, anyways, yeah, let's talk about trades and free agency because I'm gonna continue to be sad about that. All right, so I covered not all of the trades that's that have happened. There've been a lot of even more minor ones than this, but these are some of the bigger ones I wanted to cover. We can talk about a few of them if you want. Um, the first one, the Tigers, your Tigers, traded Cameron Maven again to the Angels. For uh, for a minor leaguer, it's not a huge deal, but noteworthy in the fact that the Angels um, have one of the worst farm systems in all of baseball, so they don't have much to trade for any sort of talent. <laughs> so naturally, that's who the Tigers chose to trade to for a minor leaguer. Was Victor Alcantara? I don't really know much about him. I'm sure he's got some value, but I mean, the Angels need—they just need players. They've got the best player in all of baseball. Who? justifiably won the MVP. Um, we were hard, you know, talking about that last episode, how we didn't expect him to. He actually did, so it was um, something just that happened in the world. But they were a terrible team next, last year, and he needs some help. So they were able to acquire you know, a decent piece for, for a minor leaguer, so that helps them. Uh, we'll see if that – they just they need to get some pitching and get healthy before they're going to be relevant again. But – Noteworthy in that Mike Trout gets a little bit of help. Um, the Astros have been busy. Uh, they got Brian McCann uh, from the Yankees for some minor leaguers, so he'll he'll be um, he'll do some of their catching and DHing. Uh, Gene Segura was traded from the D-backs to the Mariners for uh, the the major pieces in that deal were Taiwan Walker and Kendall Marte. So 
this was noteworthy for me in that Taiwan Walker was a top five pitching prospect about three years ago and has kind of fallen out of favor. So the air, the Diamondbacks are not the ideal location to go for a young struggling pitcher. <laughs> that that ballpark or an older or an older great pitcher in Zach Grinky. That's just yeah, it's not been that whole place has kind of been a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. But it's under new management, so we'll see if they they make a turnaround. So Taiwan Walker is now with the Mariner or with the D-backs. Gene Segura is with the Mariners. Um, and then yeah, so the three big deals that happened over the the winter meetings. So we talked about Yo Mankata, the number one prospect in all of baseball, was traded from the Red Sox along with Michael Kopech, who was a very high rising prospect in the Red Sox system. A guy who was consistently throwing 100 miles an hour uh, with some very promising other pitches. So he was, you know, in a year or two could be a top prospect as well for uh, to the White Sox for Chris Sale. Yeah. So that's a deal we've that's a deal we've been talking about. I feel like for two years, or you know, when who was Red, who was Chris Sale going to get traded to? Mm-hmm. Um, because he's a big piece. He's been dominant for for a long time now. which is i when i figured out how long he's actually been in the big leagues yeah made me feel really like old long, but no because i remember when yeah. he first came up and they're like who's this chris sale kid and he's been in the league for what six or seven years now yeah and he's which still, is just crazy to me i think he's got three or four years left at pretty affordable um so he's, he's got a ton of value but i mean you Mankata, like that's the deal you make for him because he's a lot of people liken him to Robinson Cano, but more athletic. And then if Michael Kopech turns out at all, you know that's a that's a good trade for the White Sox, who had one of the also one of the worst minor league teams or minor leagues in all of baseball. They just needed some, and they weren't going anywhere. They were terrible last year with Chris Sale. Um, so with Adam Eaton, with Jose Breu, like they were they were awful. So they needed to do something. And then the White Sox also traded for Lucas Giolito and Renato Lopez and Dane Dunning, who was a first-round pick this past draft pitcher um, from the Nationals uh, for Adam Eaton. <clears throat> so a lot of people initially were freaking out about this trade because they saw Lucas Giolito, who last year was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, but he had a really down year, and some of his shine kind of worn off prospect-wise. Still, you know, still good prospect should be a good pitcher but no longer um you know expected to be an ace type pitcher might be more of a two or three um for for adam eaton who who has you know basically been dexter fowler recently you know he's very consistent plays a center field which is very valuable gets on base you know 36 percent of the time um and also going to be very affordable for the next four years um so for the nationals you know, they had to put Trey Turner out there. Um, so he was a, more of a defensive liability. kind of rounds out their offense a little bit better. And pitching-wise, I mean, they have they didn't really need Lucas Giolito, and I think they've soured on him a little bit, and they thought this was the chance for them to kind of cash in on his luster. Um, so, But it has got some people talking about the White Sox as far as their farm system now is top ten as where you know bottom 10 before the winter meetings so well and if you're gonna have a 
absolute garbage major league team, you might as well get your farm system back in the top ten. So now you're you know? you're looking at they're probably going to trade Frazier. They're probably going to trade Robertson, um, Ooh, Abreu. Maybe I forgot about Robertson. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see where he goes. You know, I could see him going to the Dodgers if they miss out on uh, Kenley Jansen. No, send him to the Tigers. The Tigers need bullpen help. Come on. He's going to cost. I don't know if the White Sox are going to trade him to the Tigers. Though. They're going to be terrible anyways. Why not just give him to us? Come on. So the White Sox are having a fire sale. So, but those were those were mass. Those were massive deals. Um, well, we've still got one more. There was one more deal, but that was like, I was really busy last week and I was getting these updates and I was just like, what is going on? Like, Yo Mankata, Michael Kopech, Lucas Giolito, like all going to the White Sox. You were, uh, I remember when I mentioned the sale trade to you and you, your response was, yeah, that's a lot to give up for Chris It sale. is, but that's but what it was It's t- Dave Dombrowski. He doesn't, he goes for, the, oh, he yeah. goes for the big names for starting pitchers and hitters. If you're ever in a yeah, if Dombrowski is always ever running your organization, hide all of your top prospects. Well, I mean, like when he he's with, with the Tigers, he traded for Scherzer, he got David Price, he brought in Cabrera, Dontrell Willis. Like I remember, those are all great trades, though. I mean, well, yeah, except for the fact that our bullpen was made up of a bunch of geriatrics the whole time he was in charge. What's funny is Andrew Miller was actually a part of that. But he didn't actually become a viable bullpen piece until three or four years later. Right, he was part of the Cabrera trade. We sent him down to uh, the Marlins for because starters are way more valuable. But he just—he's not a starter. Yeah, I mean, it just. But now, I mean, he's in—he's in Boston. He's got Craig Kimbrell, so he doesn't need to go sign up. I'm just mad. That's all. I'm just mad. Yeah, and Moncada wasn't going to play anywhere. Well, because they're loaded. They're They're loaded. loaded. They are, and they, they've got a ton of talent, young outfield talent, Betts and uh, Benintendi, J- uh, Bradley, Bradley yeah. Bogarts, Pedroia is still going to be around for a while, so they'll be fine. But it's a trade. I mean, it works out for both. I mean, the Red Sox, that with Chris Sale and David Price and A.L. Cy Young winning Rick Porcello. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, they're going to be good. I'll be interested to see. I'm not going to say right off the top of bat that they're my pick for the AL East just because everyone's going to want to pick them. Yeah. But I, I just, these things don't work out like this sometimes. So they're not. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the best thing about Rick, Por- Rick Porcello winning the AL Cy Young was Kate Upton's tweet. <laughs> oh my gosh. She went <laughs> psycho. I, should, I just I- cannot believe he won the. Cy Young. Well, he, especially because he was like the fourth or fifth starter in Detroit when Verlander was the ace. He's good, but he, no. But I the my favorite part about that tweet, besides the fact that it was perfect in every way, was that I showed my wife the tweet, and even she like did the eyebrow ratio. Hmm? Like it, like she thought it was funny, but like, oh, that's 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 pretty crass. But the the reaction I got out of her from that tweet was totally worth Verlander not winning it. I just thought it was so funny. Verlander should have won. Oh, well. Yeah, the last big trade up to this point was uh, the Royals trading Wade Davis to the Cubs for Jorge Soler. Yeah, this is interesting. 
Very interesting. And I'm actually, like, surprised. The Cubs, I guess, are just feeling like they're playing with house money because Wade Davis has got some pretty interesting injury issues from last year, and there's no guarantee that those aren't going to linger, and you just gave up. You know, Soler is, I think, he's another one of those top prospects whose shine is kind of diminished a little bit, but I think he could be a solid player for some good power, play some good defense, probably strike out a lot. But that's another thing. I mean, the Cubs, where was he going to play? Yeah. With Schwarber coming back and mm-hmm. even losing, I mean, what what t- embarrassment, embarrassment of riches to lose Fowler and Soler, and they're going to be fine. They'll put Schwarber and left and um, Hayward's will play right, and then they'll uh, they'll have some other guys they'll bring up and platoon, and they'll be fine. That was the least of their worry. So, so yeah, they lost Chapman, but they replaced him with Wade Davis, so they'll still have a good bullpen. Yep. It's – I remember thinking when I saw that, I, I, I did not recall that Davis had had those um, injury issues, and I thought, well, what is Kansas City doing? Why are you trading Wade Davis away? He's been so good for the Royals. Mm-hmm. And not only to trade him away, but to trade him away for a field player and not another pitcher. Uh, I just I found that very interesting and shows uh, a both I think a confidence in the rest of their bullpen and also a uh, perhaps a, um, a view of Davis that perhaps is he's past his prime. So they were going to get what they could for him, which is what the Royals do. You know, you look back at some of their, their older, you know, players they had back in the day, Johnny Damon, Jermaine Dye, Carlos Beltran. Like, they've had really good players before, just never really good teams, and they always sold them or traded mm-hmm. or traded them at, at, at or before their prime in order to, you know, reap the uh, prospects. You know, classic small market team. Um, but now that they're, you know, perennial... Uh, contenders for the AL Central, I just I found this trade to be uh, very very uh, different for them. Yeah, they've only got a year left of Hosmer and Mustakas and Kane and uh, Escobar, so they gotta <clears throat> they gotta get some value back, or half their team's gonna be gone next year for nothing. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's breeze through these free agent signings. Um, just kind of hit on some of the big ones and then who has left. So one of the first couple were a couple of old old guys still hanging on, R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon. Yeah, what the heck is this about? Going to the Braves on one-year deals. Bartolo got $12.5 million, which is insane. So the Braves are the Braves actually look like they're going to be trying this year. They've they've got a lot of young pitchers. Yeah. Two, that are, two grandpas you know, and a bunch of 22-year-olds. Like <laughs> yeah. They they have made so many moves the past like year I can't even begin to like I summarize what they've done. But I it'll mean, be interesting. have they brought Chipper Jones back or David Justice? Like that's what I'm waiting for. They need to. Carlos ba- uh, Carlos Beltran to the Astros back to the Astros. Yep. For a year and sixteen million. Gee, and he's so, what forty? Thirty yeah, seven. He's up there, so he'll be probably. Primarily their DH plays some outfield. Sixteen million dollars. Andrew Kashner went to the Rangers for ten million for a year, 
which is insane because Kashner has been terrible in San Diego, yeah. like one of the best <laughs> pitcher's parks. So, but he throws hard, so he's someone's going to give him a chance. Um, this was interesting. Brett Cecil went to the Cardinals for four years and $30 million. That seemed excessive to me. Yeah, would you explain that to me, please? Basically, he's been a dominant lefty reliever, and I guess the new theme now is everyone's just trying to build the best bullpen that they can because they know that that's what succeeds in the playoffs. So I guess the Cardinals really pointed him as a guy that could be dominant in that setting. So they they set the reliever market pretty high, giving Brett Cecil uh, that many years for that much money. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Cespedes, back to the Mets, four years, $110 million, So he got paid. Yep. And they now have, they've got like six outfielders for three yeah, spots. Yeah, seems like a waste of money. Zero, zero of which are center fielders. Yeah, it's a total. Poor Jay Bruce. Total waste of money. Poor Jay Bruce. He's probably going to get traded again. But <laughs> yeah, Bruce and Conforto and Granderson. Granderson, what do you mean he's not a center fielder? He's not a center fielder. He's he's like 36, 7 years old. Don't you talk bad about Curtis Granderson. Don't do it. I love, I love the guy, but he's he's not young. You're breaking so my we'll heart. See what the, we'll see what the Mets do, but yeah, someone's got to play center field. Chapman, back to the Yankees. Four years, $86 million. I was surprised. I thought he would get 100 but I thought he'd stay in Chicago, but worked out well for the Yankees. They yeah. traded him and got Claybert Torres, top ten prospect, and then they got him back. Mm-hmm. Great so, piece of business. Still, the Reds got nothing, and <laughs> the Yankees got him back and got. Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah, um, moving Ian on. Desmond. Ian Desmond went to the Rockies, five years, seventy million. Good for Noteworthy him. in the fact that he he was one of those that took a qualifying offer um, or didn't take it. No one wanted to pay him, and he kind of rejuvenated his career last year with the Rangers, and then he kind of cast yeah. that into. So he he's gonna hit he's gonna hit in Coors. They just don't know where they're gonna play him. So I you could see a trade with the Rockies one of their outfielders, but he's not gonna play short with Trevor Story there. He's not gonna play third with Arenado. <laughs> So, but I mean, that's a guy fantasy wise to look out for next year. Anytime someone goes to Coors, mm-hmm. um, he's gonna hit some. He's gonna hit some home runs. He's also gonna strike out a lot too. Dexter Fowler went to the Cardinals five years, eighty five or eighty two point five million. So Good much for money. You, De- Good for you, Dexter. But <clears throat> going from the Cubs to the Cardinals, that's he has no soul, I guess. <laughs> Carlos Gomez went back to the uh, Rangers one year, eleven million. That will be interesting. He's he's so inconsistent, and I don't know. I just don't think he's worth that anymore. But maybe he'll rekindle his uh, stud years from a couple years ago. Uh, Matt Holiday to the Yankees one year, thirteen million. That was a little surprising. I didn't realize Matt Holiday was still playing baseball. He is. So Cardinals were down with him. So the Yankees gave him $13 million just to probably be a stopgap until... It's, but that's like the classic Yankees contract. It's like, who, who used to be yeah. good eight years ago? Let's pay him some money. Yeah, until they're... Yeah, until Judge and Frazier are a little bit ready. That's who they're going to play. 
Rich Hill staying with the Dodgers, three years, forty-eight million. That's a great deal for him. Mm-hmm. Resurrected his career last year, and then, um, yeah, for the Dodgers, hopefully they keep their old pitchers healthy um, from now on. But a little surprised. That's kind of the only deal the Dodgers have done thus far. So we'll see what's to come. Um, Mark Melanson went to the Giants, four years, sixty-two million. So he kind of set the closers yep. market initially. Getting paid. I just, I, Balan's on one of those guys. He throws like in the low 90s. When it goes for him, it's going to get ugly. <laughs> and I mean, the Giants, they're paying with house money. You know, they've won the World Series three years in this decade, but that's one that I think after this year could, could be a, an albatross. Um, Kendry, Kendry Morales went to the Blue Jays, three years, 33 million. That's a pretty good affordable signing for them. That's a guy that's going to hit, especially in that park, um, for only 11 million a year at this rate. That's a pretty good deal. Wilson Ramos went to the, the, the Tampa Rays, two years, 12.5 mil. I think that's a good deal for him and for the Rays. Saying that he was, he was a top hitting catcher before he, you know, tore his ACL. So it gives him a little financial um, um, yeah, some security there, but also a chance to kind of rehab his his knee in a, in a couple years and maybe hit the market again. Josh Reddick, the Astros were are crazy. Josh Reddick went to the Astros four years, fifty two million. So they're gonna they're gonna have a pretty potent lineup next year with all those additions. Fernando Rodney still living, still going, gonna be the D back closer next year. That's going to go terribly, I'm Ew. telling you. Yeah. That's not going to go well. Um, Eric Timms is still alive. The Brewers signed him three years, 16 mil. Edison Volquez to the Marlins, two years, 22 mil. And Koji Uehara to the Cubs for one year, 4.5 mil. So When I saw that uh, Timms signed for the Brewers, I immediately thought Marcus Timms of the Detroit Tigers from 10 years ago. He's still playing baseball. And then I realized it wasn't him, and I got really sad. Because that yeah. dude could hit a ball a country mile. He could. Yeah, this Eric Timms went, went over to Korea and just, like, put up video game numbers. <laughs> well, and Brewers. he got to come back and he got paid. I mean, 16 mil, that's that's no joke. Yeah. Yohara will be good for the Cubs, too, if he stays yeah, healthy. for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the free agents, top free agents left. We'll see uh, where they go. Kenley Jansen, there's talk that could happen this next week Dodgers or Marlins are most likely Edwin Encarnacion Jose Bautista Justin Turner and Mark Trumbo so there's some good good bats still out there but if you notice there are no there's like no pitching out there right now so did the Blue Jays not want Edwin and Jose back I think they do I just I don't think they could afford they think they can afford to sign both of them I hope Jose winds up in Philadelphia and just does terribly. We'll see. There's been some talk about Edwin with the Indians. Um, they both are kind of, they need to be in the American League with the DH. So we'll see what happens. But we covered a lot today, Cameron. Oh, yes, Nicholas, we did. It's good to be back. It is. You know, it's like riding a bike. Yeah, it has been. We covered a good hour and ten minutes there, and we uh, there's been a lot that's happened so far, but <clears throat> there will be a lot more. It will probably be a few more trades to come. Hopefully, 
I read to make a couple of deals uh, to get rid of some of their older players like Brandon Phillips and Zach Cozart, <laughs> who do not need to be on the team anymore. But that remains to be seen because no one needs a shortstop or second baseman who isn't any good anymore. So mm. Valid point. I have a feeling they will still be on our team next year for blocking the future. Yep, you're riding those contracts. You're riding those contracts into the ground, buddy. Sorry. Yep. So but other than that, I'm excited. Should be should be interesting. Um you know, we're couple months out here now from pitchers and catchers reporting so i think we can we're about a third of the way through the winter we can do it yep you can do it nick i know i can i'm not at all worried about it it's you that i'm concerned about frankly (laughs) so we'll probably we'll probably take a break here for yeah a little bit and then maybe in february we can come back with some season preview stuff as baseball starts ramping up again but we'll try to to chart the major events that happened to Keep our inf- keep our listeners informed. Yes, uh, with in, our uh, hard hitting analysis. Mm-hmm. Mm, hard hitting, like uh, Gary Sheffield attacking the ball. Hard hitting. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. I'm glad that you laughed at that. I appreciate it. You didn't have to, but you did, and that's why I like you, Nick. You, you always laugh at me, so it gives me a, a self esteem boost. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Return the favor. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Well, I think. That does it for our Winter Meetings Special Edition episode. Nick, as always, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch, you can find Nick on Twitter at Coatsy, C-O-A-T-S-I-E-E. You can find me at Cam Brennan, C-A-M-B-R-E-N-N-A-N. You can also email us hello at supermegacorp.net. And if you want to see the show notes, you can go to supermegacorp.net slash Mendoza slash 27. And have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. We'll be back in a few months. See everyone soon. Stay stay warm out there. Indeed. Bye.